Welcome to Lost Link, the podcast with Muff Barber and Yogi Nickerson, where CL data is disabled and no topic is off limits about unmanned aircraft or the United States Air Force. The views expressed in this podcast are solely those of the participants and do not represent the United States Air Force, the Department of Defense, or any other federal agency. This podcast contains some profane language and is not suitable for all audiences. I mean, clearly I have not read them, but uh, I do have a book in my Amazon cart <laughs> by Neil Gaiman. Gaiman. Oh, Norse uh, Mythology by Gaiman. Yeah, I hear that's a it's good. tip top it's good. when it comes to that. And it's not just like this know. story says this and this story says that. It's There's like a, a, a subtle narrative through the whole thing to kind of carry you along. Do you have this book? Yes. Okay. Can I borrow it? Yes. Okay, <laughs> I was going to say, you're about to give me the keys to your Julia. Uh, <laughs> I can't borrow a book. <laughs> books are more valuable than... Well, books don't tend to come back. When this book them. will absolutely come back, dude. The books on this well, book no, that's why I'm, me. That's why I have a general prohibition against lending books, because yeah. if I'm going to hand someone a book, it, I'm just going to give it to them and order a new one. Gotcha. Because I've been, I've just played that game too many times. Yeah. Well, if you see this bookshelf behind me, those books don't really move. (laughs) (laughs) So it will be well cared for. I will read through it once, and then it'll sit on that shelf. I have some other really good ones, too. Um, Let's just start with one book. I'm going to have the keys to your house, I think. Well, my books are not unpacked. Ah. As you saw, they're all in that bonus room, just everywhere. I'll rummage. (laughs) (laughs) yeah fair enough maybe i'll come back and your house will be like decked out yeah uh is c.s lewis one of his books surprised by joy um it's like it's it's kind of an autobiography of his early life but it's it's the beginning part is about his conversion to christianity yeah but the very interesting part about that is he discovered it through Norse mythology. He discovered joy first through Norse mythology. Yeah. Um, which he later took the leap to say that it was completed in Christianity. Right. But like his first real feeling of religiosity, yeah. one might say, was by reading. I like that you used Norse religion because that's how it was perceived. Mythology already has a denigrating yeah. tone to it. Right. And I'm not saying, right, that it is, but like it's useful to understand that they thought of it as religion not as mythology when they were perceiving yeah, complete it. Yeah, with prayers and rites and um, everything. Yeah. Yeah. And Ragnarok, I believe, Fenrir slays Odin. Uh-huh. And is... Uh, I think he's then summarily slayed by somebody else. Fenrir yeah. the wolf is killed by somebody else. Thor, I think. And Thor dies fighting the Midgard serpent. They kill each other. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. Like... 
clearly I don't believe that any of this actually happened, right? Or is going to happen or any of this other shit. But it's it's a fun lens on my own world and my own life. Well, Yogi, looks like we are Lost Link once again. Yeah. Uh, I don't have any systems here to tell me why. <laughs> why that might be. Maybe it's uh, some Russian EMI. Yeah. This I time around. That's what it is. Yeah. I mean, it's the most likely cause. We should call our Echo. Today. And we should call our Echo. Um, I am an Echo, but I'm terrible. I'm You're an Echo? I did not know that. You didn't? No. No shit? No. No, I, I did uh, Echo training in 2017 from the 20th. Bruce sent me out. Oh, really? Yeah, he was like, I think you'd be a good candidate. I was like, three weeks of Vegas, let's do it. Um, yeah. Back in the when it was the gentleman's course? Yeah. Before what uh, before, before riot, the whips. What Riot had to go through? Yeah, before the weapons school got, on, got a hold of it. <laughs> um, and It's probably better for that. I'm just, it, was, it was useful. I liked as it. I, would, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, I think even making it more serious is probably a good thing, too. In the long term, yeah. yes. Uh, because... The people you're going to get to go there, yeah, may not have like the fundamental background that that you need. So you got to spend some time kicking them on that piece and yeah, things like that. But I know some of the younger lieutenants we sent to the Echo course came back and they were exponentially more knowledgeable about all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's it's hugely important. It's such yeah. a fundamental piece of what flying the MQ9 is. Like we talked with uh, Doctor Burns there. It needs to be integrated into what we're doing. Yeah. Pro- problem is we need too many people. So we can't. Nobody wants to pay for the PCS to Holloman to make the basic course as long as it needs to be to get you competent, fully competent with the airplane. Yeah. So, like, we're only ever going to onesie-twosie this thing until the MQ-9 dies in a hole somewhere or, you know, a budget hole at some point. But. That's me being pessimistic again. Um, since we are lost link, though, and we're talking, uh, might this might be Russian EMI. This might be a good time to talk uh, air operations centers. Yeah, and how they coordinate uh, this type of stuff. Because if if there is Russian EMI, it's probably going to be somebody responsible for an airplane or a satellite somewhere who's going to try and track that down and. I don't know, jam it, jam the jammer, uh, or at least, you know, take it out and know that it's a known target, right? And they would be the ones that create the t- air tasking order to go strike this thing. So what's been your experience with the the AOC? So you've flown in CENTCOM a lot, right? Yeah. And you've done uh, some 609th stuff. How'd you feel about uh, taskings and... Well, and 603rd. Yeah, yeah. And we, we, we're going to yeah. get there. All right. But you did the 609th primarily. In terms of operating myself. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. the yeah. amount of time that you have flown in one theater or another. Uh, the 609th has been your, your daddy. Was it was it a smooth process? Did it, did it like make sense? Did you understand how your MQ-9 got tasked to this thing? This uh, target today? No, for many years I did not. Like, I knew... The LNOs were at a thing called the AOC. Stuff happened there. Sometimes the LNOs called, and they kind of controlled the weather recall process or, like, had inputs on that. 
Yeah, that even that process is multi-inputs and a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like when there were weather recalls and things like that, the LNOs would be calling like the OPSOUP station yeah. and, and talking to the OPSOUPs. Um, but basically like an ATO would show up in the folder that the Intel guys would pull. Yeah. And then I was talking primarily just to the... Uh, just to the the supported unit at that point yeah or doing the stuff or there were points where like the supported unit was the aoc right and you'd be coordinating all your stuff through the is roto uh, isr offensive duty offensive duty officer ops duty officer rather um and they're telling you where to go and you know bounce around yeah very rarely were we doing anything outside of the supported unit yeah. Um, you talk about like task forces and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And we would, like, if we were going to get changed over, say, from like working for our normal support unit to like, oh, you're going to support this British infill. Here's a con op, your new, ta- new supported unit yeah. or something like that. Then like some of the AOC stuff would come out a little more and you'd be talking more to those guys as you were like getting changed over. But pretty transparent to the majority of basic air crew at the at the conventional twenty fifth attack group squadrons, I would say. Yeah, and when you uh, stood up the, uh, the airplanes and the, the operations in Yukon, how did you feel about that process? Did mm. that did that did that expand your bubble? Like how an AOC works? Yeah, because they don't they didn't farm us out to supported units, and that was not really intended, right? Yeah. So we were getting collection decks straight from the two, and doing all this other stuff, right? So yeah. Um, I know, you want like a, my opinion or no? No, like, we'll, we'll we'll get to that. Um, I guess it was just. So you've you under you have understood that there's this thing called Nair Operations Center that correlates and does all this processes and creates this document that says this airplane is gonna take off at this time and go to this place and do this thing. Yeah. Right. All right. Well that's good because a lot of people don't understand that. You know what I mean? Um I'm pretty sure that's not understood coming out of like IQT here. Nor should it, I guess, but uh, uh, weren't you is, saying it was just about stalls, falls, takeoffs, landings, and I don't was, crash? I was, it's the basic course, you got to graduate on time. We got to be doing the basic things well before we can expand into all the other things. You get some academics on, like, here is what an AOC is, I think, in here at Holloman, yeah, and then maybe again an MQT, and you're just like. I don't care. Like right. you're just like there's a bunch of like <laughs> this, this, you know, this and that and this. Da, 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 da. And there's like, like what the, document do I look at with all the little flow charts and the bubbles and stuff? And, yeah. and the reality of it is, is that um, as a lieutenant, I grab the ATO from the folder and then I call the JTAC. Yeah. Or really the ITC and because you don't J- care how you got this tasking. You're like, this is my job. This is this yeah. is my tasking. So yeah, um, there is. Some usefulness, particularly if you're gonna like upgrade to, you know, mission crew commander, mm-hmm. MCC to an, op, an ops unit or something like that. That are, are they no, they're no longer con, calling it MCC. It's op just ops soup. soup, right? Not to be confused with the ops superintendent, ops um, supervisor. 
Oh, supervisor. <laughs> well, no, that's what. Yeah, yeah, the guy running the upsell. Yeah. Right, right. All right. And that's when, like, some of this stuff, it helps to understand how you get there. Um, eh. it, it helps. Um, particularly when you're starting to work with the LNOs and understanding, like, what it is that guy is doing. And, like, if you want to get anything done, you need to be able to communicate to him in some language. Like, dude, you need to go down the hall and talk to the collection operations management desk <laughs> to get this situation unfucked. You know what I mean? Um, obviously, that's the LNO's job to know that. Then you just call the LNO and complain, yeah. you know, and he goes and handles this thing, but it's helpful if you understand the process to a small degree. Yeah, but with the 609th, like I said, we never really, even as an ops supervisor, you never really talk to the LNOs outside of weather recalls. Yeah. The generally speaking. So there are AOCs all over the world. Mm-hmm. Uh there's an AOC in Tucson for Southcom. I don't know its number cuz who cares about Southcom? <laughs> um except some of my friends that are there uh in Tucson. But USAFE has the 603rd uh AFCENT. Uh, there in Centicom has the 609th. Uh, there's the 613th in PAC F. Uh, and the 607th in Korea, because Korea has its own special little thing, right? It has for the longest time. Um, but they're supposedly all like structured similarly. Mm-hmm. And they all execute this doctrinal process, or at least that's you know, surface level advertising. Uh, this 72 hour uh, air tasking order cycle um, that starts with joint force commander then you get the strategy division saying what it is that we should do then that goes to the uh, combat plans division and the ISRD they decide how to do it well the ISRD is kind of leading that right they're trying to find targets so they send out ISRSS to go find some shit. And then when all that information comes back, the strategy division says, oh, we have these targets. We should go hit this target, these targets, these targets, these targets. And the, that tasking goes to the combat plans division. who says, I can do it with this airplane, this airplane, this airplane, this airplane. They, the map cell. So part of that is the master air attack plan guys. And they create uh, the master air attack plan. Uh, that eventually makes its way uh, to the ATO, which then goes to the ops floor or the combat operations division. Uh, And these names might change even while I was at the uh, 609th in 2018. It was shuffling around. You had the the combat ops division, but it was also known as the A33, the ops side of the ops side of AFCENT. It was kind of kind of silly um and then that goes so now the ato they're basically the mcc or the the ops supervisor for all of the operating units within there and they're tasking uh things kind of they're not dynamically tasking stuff but they're overseeing the operations in accordance with the ato and making decisions when things get uh dynamic for an mq9 they're working with the ISR operations duty officer and the supported unit to uh, 
bounce around inside of the theater and provide air power effects. Um, there are a lot of people that make this process go, uh, and it is happening. So let's think of it like a it's like a three phase deal, and each phase is happening every day. But to feed, you know, ultimately air power effects further along in the chain. But the strategy division doesn't just like kick out this, uh, uh, what do they call it? The uh, air operations directive. They don't just kick that out every 72 hours. They kick it out every day, but then it takes time for ISRD and combat plans to build their plan. And then the day after that, you execute the plan. Meanwhile, the execution from two days ago is going back into the strategy division to produce another you know, change to the air operations directive, and it's just this continuous flow uh, with feedback. It works pretty well. Okay. And, uh, but it has its problems. Um, it's obviously designed around a, uh, let's say, more traditional fight, yeah. right? Um, and information flow has gotten to a point where we need that to go a lot faster. Or like the, the airplanes and the, the people executing the mission can do this thing a lot faster. We can, you mean MQ-9s and well, RPAs in particular? In particular, it's not always like, you know, always the, the platform I'm talking about here. Other, other airplanes, you know, have, you know, ability to communicate and do like dynamic targets and stuff. So I think it was during probably 2003 uh, when there was a mission uh, dynamically tasked where Uday and Kusek Hussein uh, were known to be at some coffee shop in downtown Baghdad based upon some human source. And they retasked dynamically a B-1, I think, uh, to go drop some bombs on this thing and try and kill these two dudes. And that took 45 minutes to get that B-1 overhead, and they had already departed. And so they survived, right? Now... That's because they had some other source, right? And it had to get to the AOC, had to get down to, you know, push to the right people and the offensive duty officer. Yeah. Uh, the Soto senior offensive duty officer on the floor had to, on the ops, in the ops division had to like figure out what they could do. And then they had to get all their, their lawyers together down on the floor and somebody had to come in and say, yes, do it. We've met all of these, these requirements, but it took 45 minutes. Now it's mm -hmm. probably fucking flying, mm -hmm. going as fast as possible. You know what I mean? And it was too long. Now an MQ-9 can do it even faster, right? You can have some intel support. You have some SIG in that says, yep, that's this guy. Okay, I just saw this dude looks, you know, kind of like what I we think Uday Hussein looks like. And he just walked into this building. Hey, do you want me to, you want me to pop him? You know what I mean? Yeah. And in in that in that timeline, like we could do this as fast faster than anybody. But the AOC was that why we're farmed out to the jocks, where all that stuff's just in the jock for MQ9 ops, where I think you can just go straight from the 
ITC to the JTAC and connect those dots? To, to a degree, yes. Right? I don't know that it's purposeful. No, I know, but like in, in effect, right? We don't have to go to, you didn't, when you're farmed out to task force. Yeah. Right? Like the IT, it just goes, ITC is like, all right, we've met the stuff. Team Black is taking over. And then you get a phone call. Right, because all yeah, all that stuff. They're much smaller teams, so they can yeah. communicate much faster, and they can yeah, they just yell them, hop they back just and yell forth. in a big room. They're not worried about the ATO. Yeah, so it's funny if you look at the actual ATO <laughs> for MQ9s. It normally just says airplane takes off at this time and uh, goes to this bullshit point, mm-hmm. and it carries its ordinance is best. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like they basically don't plan. The MQ-9, other than the takeoff and land times for these things. Mm-hmm. Um, because we do everything kind of out of cycle with the with the AOC. Yeah. Um, so maybe it was in, in, inadvertent, but but a short-circuiting in a good way of that larger process. Yes, because yeah. there were other entities like task forces and their, their operation cells that were... They're just dedicated to like a couple platforms and... Yeah, and understood... MQ9s, yeah. They bounce between ISR and strike and back like multiple times in a day. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It wasn't this 72-hour plan to find the targets and then, okay, have a Wall Street-style, you know, trading floor of, you know, platform LNO saying, well, I can hit this at this and I've got these guys at this place that can put these bombs on and go hit this target. You know what I mean? Um it was, yeah. it was, it's the most dynamic you could possibly be. Yeah. Um, because the JTAC and the ISR dude, the two uh, chair, ISR, three chairs from each yeah, other. Yeah. It's just like, Hey, we got them. We, we think we found them. All right, cool. Uh, you know, yeah. I remember what the term, there was some term that they use like for your handing off to, to the JTAC. I don't remember what it was. It's team black taking control. Yeah. Or they would just, yeah, they would just come up. Right. I would say, um, and that has been... And they'll say, pass you back to targeting, is what they would say. That has been a problem, right? Uh, at least historically. Because not everybody flew in support of some task force. Yeah. Right? Um, and back in, like, I think it was 2012. Uh, yeah, maybe 2012. Um, this guy, uh, now Colonel uh, Squeeze Callahan, wrote a paper while he was a student at... Uh, the School for Advanced Aerospace Studies. SAS. Yeah, SAS. Um, there's another S in there. Um, yeah, it's S-A-A-S-S. Yeah, yeah. Um, that talked about the AOC and how the MQ-9 straddles the the line between the two, so Intel and the three ops. Uh, so you're, saying it, right? you're saying it's getting its nuts crushed on that fence? Yeah, because, <laughs> yes, yes, it's just, it's trying to stand there. The fence is just a little too tall to get over, right? Um, and is being uh, kind of hamstrung on both sides because the three, the guys in the ops cell, or the combat plans division, look at the MQ-9 as an ISR asset. Yeah. Because we get tasked on the, uh, the RISTA. Yeah. The... I don't know why this is escaping me, but do you remember what the rest of stands for? Nope. 
Arista is the Arista. Arista is the Arista. Acronyms, we don't even need to know what it is. It's the thing that the two produces that's for ISR assets. I don't need to know what the name actually is. Reconnaissance Surveillance Tasking Addendum? Well, the point is that the acronym becomes the name at a certain point. Yeah. And we know what it does. We know what its functionality is. Yeah what it looks like, who it's for, all the things. The, what the letters stood for doesn't mean anything or is not necessary. Yeah, point. Rista. Rista is, is the name. It might as well be R-I-S-T-A-H. T-A-H, yeah. right? It yeah. doesn't matter. Rista. <laughs> so, but, so the reason that the MQ-9 is not tasked very well on the ATO is because we, uh, we are tasked via the Rista. And it basically just says, you know, you're going to do Rista stuff. And the Rista says you're going to go support this guy and that guy. Um, but part of the problem that you run into when that happens is that you don't have enough RPA liaison officers. Mm. You've got a guy on the ops floor. So your normal like RPA liaison team consists of like an, a single like senior captain, junior major guy who is the lead. And then he probably has three or four uh, liaison officers underneath him. Right, that cover the shift 24 hours a day. Like two officers and two NC, senior, like NCOs. Yeah, the NCO thing is actually pretty new. Oh, okay. um, like, they didn't really start doing that until like 20, late 2017, yeah. early 2018. Um, That's when I first started to get like smart on what was even happening. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, it 24 7 ops, right? And so you've got four to five guys there that are RPA qualified, whatever. And they I mean like total, they're not all on the floor at total. the same time. Yeah, not all at the same time, right? So in that AOC, two guys are, one guy just got off a shift, one is sleeping, and another one is on the ops floor, you know, doing LNO stuff. And then you've got like one other guy who's supposed to be kind of the floater, um, and in 2018, that was me. And I was doing, trying to like brief the CFAC on <laughs> moving airplanes around and what it would take and how this works, coordinating diplomatic clearances to fly through country X, Y, and Z uh, all in one sortie. I'm also trying to go down to the ISRD, uh, the ISR division or the A32 to try and inform the lieutenant intel officer uh, about how long is it actually going to take to fly from, you know, the launch and recovery site to the target area that they yeah. want to go to? Um, because they're all planning no wind situations, right? And not factoring any of that in. Um, I'm also trying to go up to the combat plans division to be like, hey, what are the targets today? Oh, yeah, mq can hit this and can do that and do this thing. And I'm also trying to inform the strategy division, be like, this is how much ISR we brought and this is how much strike we brought despite the fact that we like brought them at the same time, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? But they didn't have a way to like quantify that. So I'm trying to help them do that thing, you know? And then you're talking to the correlation infusion cell in the aftermath, um, you know, explaining like some RPA video feed to them and what the limitations of this thing are. And dude, you're running around with a fucking head cut off, <laughs> trying to blend all of this into, you know, one thing that, that suits what the RPA is actually capable of doing. But there are so many, there's a lot of inertia 
I would say, right? Because you're not going to be able to be there all the time. And, you know, it's like steering the, the Titanic. You're going to pull on that rope for a bit, you know, and by the time you're done with your, you know, four to five to six month tours of Lead LNO, you're going to let go of that rope and hope that the next LNO can grab it and keep pulling on it. But if he's not like ready to go, that's three months of the ship correcting course and just swinging back to what it was doing, you know? Yeah, because aren't there a lot of guys at the AOC or the staff around there that are not deployed on the same timeline? What do you mean? Like, so if I go to the ISRD, that guy leaves like halfway through my deployment? No. So, I mean, I just so I get a new more guy like over the, there. I think I'm maybe thinking more of like the 603rd, but. Um, like the people that are like assigned there, yeah, for PCS years, there. yeah, with how stuff yep. goes, or like yep. even contractors, and then you're just like some LNO for six months. Yeah, you're just some. Fuck. By the time you get rapport <laughs> or even a good understanding of what the hell's going on, you're out. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, that that's absolutely a problem, and nobody's figured out how to solve it. The uh, the the answer, I think, is more RPA LNOs. For longer. Send one to COD, send one to ISRD, send one to the for combat long, plans for division. longer and for six months or in the case of the 603rd PCS, those fuckers there. Yeah. So they can sit there and, and, and build what needs to be built. This deployment model, dude, I would deploy to Germany or sorry, PCS to Germany in a blink <laughs> at the, at this point, like that would have been, that would have been the jam. Yeah. But that's not what they do because we don't have enough people to even, you know, man what it is that we're trying to do back here in the States. So can you talk more about, I guess, that two and the three difference and why that's a problem for the MQ-9 in a little more detail? Because it seems like you just, you jumped into, like, Eleanor's are the answer. But I was yeah. wondering if you could explain, like, bigger, stronger, faster Eleanor's, longer, harder is the answer, but... What what's the issue so here that's the two, like squeeze the two, is talking about? Yeah. The two and the three don't talk. Yeah. Okay. There's a wall basically between them, right? So in the first stage of the process, the strategy division is kicking out this air operations directive and it says, I need to go find these types of targets. We'll call them X. Like, you know, we heard this might be going on. Let's go see if we can figure some of this shit out. Same time from the previous day's intel. They find they have all these targets, and we'll call that you know targets Y for whatever else. So the air, the AOD says we need to go find these types of targets, and we need to go kill these types of targets that we've already found, or that we think we've already found. So all these targets, known targets, go to the combat plans division. It says this is what you you guys are going to do: go kill these targets. Thank you very much. Meanwhile, the the nebulous piece. We need to go find this intel. That the intel gathering happens on the in the seventy-two hour cycle, and the the traditional model happens the day before you go blow shit up. Yeah. Right. Um, and so the the Rista comes out. It says go find the shit, and the ATO comes out and says go blow up the shit. But the two never talk because they're because they're out of cycle. They're one day apart from each it's other. It's like two separate seventy-two hour cycles Correct. that are running concurrently. That, yes. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And so the two and the three, the 
don't talk to each other, can't talk to each other. Because it's like a loop. It's not. Correct. They're focused on different things. Yeah. Um, and this is the job of the senior offensive duty officer on the floor is to get like, like basically what happens is if you get some hot intel, like I said, Uday Kusei, Hussein, that through some channel has to make it to the ops floor. And then they dynamically retask day of mm-hmm. and say B1 or MQ9s, right? We've got a fresh target that has to be done right now. I don't care what you're doing. This is more important. You are off that tasking, right? And yeah. so, so the just ad hoc them off of it, yeah, yeah. So the the dude running the floor, uh, I can't remember what he's called. Um, I don't know. It's basically, the mission crew commander or the operations supervisor for the COD. He steps in and says, "That's more important. Get what what options do we have? Who's close?" Cool. Offensive duty officer, contact that crew via whatever methods you've got, and we're going to dynamically retask them. And then they go and blow that thing up. So there, there is a small like possibility there. But MQ-9s are doing this all day, every day, with every target that they ever go and look at. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I can hop that fence from the two to the three. I mean, trigger met. I can have a weapon on that dude inside of two minutes. Yeah, and then I'm right back to doing the ISR piece. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which does not work very well with an AOC that is designed around major combat operations. Okay. And even if the MQ-9 gets involved in major combat operations, which we're trying to do, we're still going to have that problem. Because like just found something... Let's blow it up and then go back to what we're doing. Yeah. 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 Um, it could be managed, right? So I related on a previous episode where they were looking, the offensive duty officer, you know, they had an MQ-9 looking at some mosque or something or some house in Afghanistan or Iraq somewhere. And uh, they were waiting for an A-10 to show up with a GBU-38. And I was like, that MQ-9 has four Hellfires on it right now. That building is small. You can pop anybody that goes in that building with one Hellfire. They're like, ah, we're waiting for the for the A ten. For the 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 holy five hundred pounder. Yeah, yes. The dirty <laughs> audience can't see my eyes rolling in my head there. Uh the offensive duty officer was an A ten pilot. So they had some cognitive bias there. Right. Um uh, right. That was fine. Rise of the fighter generals, baby. So I, so I try. I gave. I I literally sat like my desk faced their desk <laughs> there at the ops floor, and I tried to explain to them that this this could work in the MQ nine that you're look that's giving you this video feed could take care of this target for you. Yeah, didn't care. Pound right. sand, robot. Right. Correct. Because that's just not understanding what's possible for whatever reason. Yeah, because um, well, and you don't think it's more. You, th- but I guess your point is that it was less, maybe a little bit of a play of like, we'd rather have a manned asset blow it up, but really more of it was like we found the thing, but now we are going to take something else, right? Keep it, keep our peas away from our mashed potatoes here, yes. And now we are going to blow it up because and because the 
the major combat operations mindset with the offensive duty officers mindset was the RPA was a ISR asset and they needed something with a 500 pounder on it to take this target out. And I disagreed vehemently and it turns out blowing up this house actually caused the, the wall of this tiny mosque, you know, immediately next door to cave in. Like I told him it would. (laughs) So, um, if that had been with a task force, it would have been dead. <laughs> like, yeah. Like almost as soon as you said, yep, that's the guy. Yeah. So maybe some of the bias is not against MQ9s that we talk about is yeah. not just because it's unmanned, but because of the fact that it's an ISR asset in well, the way, depends. in the way that the, a- is it? <laughs> but in the way that, in the way that the AOC is structured to handle it. You know yeah, and it's it gets weirder because the majority of the funds that like buy MQ9s and pay for the the kick-ass pods that are on the thing and yeah, that all comes out of the two. This remind well. this reminds me um of a I got a buddy who flies U28s. And I maybe talked about this on they another have similar podcast. Type issues, but Yeah. But I it makes a little more sense now that you say that because he was he was talking about how they can't get recognition as a strike asset or even like recognition in general compared to say an AC-130, even right. though they <laughs> like, even if they like actually do more on a specific mission, yeah, like if the AC-130 like goes up and then goes down because it's, oh, the sun might be coming up, right? Yeah. Um, and the U-28s, they're like doing all kinds of heroic stuff. Mm-hmm. Those dudes are getting air medals on the AC-130 and not on the U-28, right? And yeah. and that's not because that's not manned versus unmanned. That's two versus three. That's strike versus ISR, like in how those platforms are characterized, yeah. right? And so the MQ-9 is, like we yeah. said, crushing its nuts on that fence line. And yeah, so, yeah. We, but our doctrine says this is what it is, you know what I mean? And nobody's figured out, like, squeeze is a, Pretty connected guy. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, it almost sounds like you need to... Like, you need to be able to, like, shift structures where... Or you do, like, what we did with the, the task force. You just say MQ-9s are controlled like this and have, like, a little separate cell yeah, that does its own thing that maybe, like, has a liaison that talks to the larger 72-hour cycle. Yeah, loops and loops. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you structure the whole AOC differently. So you say like, hey, right now we're in, you know, you know, uh, a phase alpha, which is more loosely flows back and forth between all that stuff. Yeah. And then be like, okay, now we are in MCO mode, phase Bravo. And then you like just restructure, move the buildings or whatever. But you would, that would obviously require a lot of work and stuff. But that, it's That's just hard a, to do. Yeah. But it's just a thought. Yeah, there's, like, there's probably... Like, we already built it, right? But, like, we already built the 72-hour cycle, but, like, what's to say you can't have, like, protocols, like, AOC structure protocols, like, when we're in this type of fight, and then we can we can switch over our AOC structure, and we have, like, all the stuff doped out for how that works. Yeah. Like, overnight. Well, th- this is what I think, kind of, the construct... I mean, that's a... That's a... That's a... Gig, that's a gif right for sure a good idea fairy oh. but, uh, <laughs> so you sure it's not a gif 
Um, no. <laughs> the GIF and the the GIF and the GIF go. The Good Idea Fairy Cutoff, which is my favorite, one of my favorite expressions. Like we're past the GIF go line. Shut the fuck up. We're going. You know, patent. Uh, yeah. Good plan executed now is better than a perfect plan next week type thing. Yeah. Yeah. We're past the Good Idea Fairy Cutoff. Like. No more good ideas. We're going with what we got. Anyway. So part of part of their problem in an AOC is that the people in the two are Intel officers. Yeah. They have one mindset. Yeah. They they've been trained to do Intel and you know, build these reports, take this information, pass it into the the assessment correlation infusion cell, let them say what this all means. And that goes back to the strategy division who creates the next thing. And they, they, their sole focus is just finding things. That is not their job to understand blowing anything up, right? And the three doesn't want to know dick about how to find stuff. These are, these are the, so it's over, the combat plans division. It's a, problem of, it's a problem of over-specialization. For what, Potentially. For what the MQ-9 can do, right? yeah. And so they tried... Or organizational specialization, I guess. So you're aware of the 13 Oscar multi-domain warfare officer? Yeah, well, I don't see where he fits into this chart, though. But he doesn't. That's, that's the thing, that's right? That's why I'm smiling when I said that. <laughs> so that doesn't fit... Because like, just because you made it AFSC doesn't fix the problem that the AOC is structured that way. Right, but now you might have somebody who can better talk both languages, and he becomes the AOC like internal liaison between the two and the three. But he's assigned there, you know yeah. what I mean? So there was an attempt at that, and I, the thirteen Oscar is dead. I think, at least as far as I can tell from my armchair right here, we've got we already got the answer, which is that you treat MQ nines. In a separate cell, with with like the jo like the jocks and the well, task force, and then you just that's how you handle MQ nines. So well, what you, you speed up the kill chain there. The oh, how are they going to speed up the kill chain? What what are, are you familiar with the joint all domain command and control idea? JAD C two. No. <laughs> it is this. It sounds glorious. I don't. Though. I don't want to say pie in the sky because it's not. The technological underpinnings exist, but what they're trying to do is this sensor shooter fusion stuff, right? Where information flows from the sensor that found a target to the, an asset that is able to strike that target with a man in the loop almost instantaneously, right? So all this information is it's all based on data links and it's all going to come back to, you know, an AOC and some AI is going so to. It's the shit that Jake's work. The Jake's working on. It's part of what they're working on. Yeah. Yeah, like the part of it anyway. Mm -hmm. Like the recognition, the software. Recognition. I mean, they're yeah, they're working on the yeah. specifics of artificial intelligence, which is, yeah. which is not as like magical as everybody thinks it is. Um, no, but like the ability to like go, that's that, and have the sensor identify stuff without, like, a, someone having to like yeah. sit there and look at it. Yeah, yeah. but the, but the JADC two is really trying to take that. So once you have that decision, what assets do I have airborne right now? Right? Because somehow that information makes it all back into some centralized computer dealio. And the airplane or the JADC2 HAL 9000 reaches in and says, all right, you should task this guy to go do this thing. Boom, off they go. You know what I mean? 
with a guy saying, yeah, that sounds good. Click, go, you know, and then that tasking is boop, squirted out via link 16, via various bridges and yeah. all this stuff to this, this platform. And they're trying to bring that timeline from find and fix to engage, assess down as low as possible for everybody. Yeah. MQ9 is already there because we're doing it all in house. So now they're trying to spread that out to, yeah. But I'm saying from the structure, the answer is all like the, the task force jocks are already the human version of the Jed C2. Yeah. But like with, you know, four MQ9. You know, yeah, four but they're also MQ9. regionally specific, right? Sure. Um, but I'm so they have other limitations. I, I understand what you're getting at. You're cucking me, dog. Ugh. I think this is like. <laughs> That's a pretty good insight, I think, right? It is. That, that the it is. That the uh the task force drug is already just like a compressed two and a three yes. combined to, to help leverage MQ9s. Yes. And that maybe we could look at that as a model for altering or speeding up things. The larger AOC. Yeah. Right. So or addendum or I agree things to that. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. The jock and the task force model for him employing the MQ nine was the premier way to do it. And rather than make that like an accident of the fact that we were being farmed out to army units, right. To prosecute this stuff, make that an intentional part of the air force. AFC yeah. Structure potentially, or like use that as inspiration. I don't know. Take, Go take your glitter paint and figure it out. I don't know, but the, you know what I'm saying. Yes, but, yes. Right. That I think that model has problems scaling because the jock model and the task force model is based around relationships and like I know the two guys that are in the you know running the ITC. That's yeah. our tactical coordinator, right? Yeah, and they know that JTAC. They have dinner with them. They you know smoke and drink together on the weekends. You know, back in the States and they're friends because they're all part of, you know, such and such Ranger Regiment or whatever the hell. So doing that in a larger scale at an AOC that's trying to operate inside of an entire area of operations, that is the limfac. The building yeah. is too big. You know what I mean? I can't just run down the hall and like stand up and be like, yo, you got this? Because that's not how it works. You would have to make many smaller versions, I think. That yeah, are, but like not all assets can even be tasked that way, right? Like Correct. Yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna get both. an RC one thirty five, you know. Yeah. <laughs> doing both sides of those things. Or so like they can pure, stay in there. Very pure strike assets, right? Or mm -hmm. just like So yeah. maybe they could bring a jock. So they need to partition off, you know, an intel officer or three out of the ISRD, take a couple guys from the CPD, put them into their own little 2.5, yeah. right? Or if they've got their own little cell, their own little their own little thing, and they control the 40 MQ-9s that are flying around in their AO. Yeah, and then you have some liaison. You can, like, update the master floor on what if, if there's something juicy going on yeah. real quick. But, like, they can handle their own stuff. Yeah. You Maybe you do that like four or five times over. Yeah. Is there value in seg uh, segregating yourself like that? Because that's what that's basically doing, right? If I take a, create a mini AOC inside of the AOC. Yeah. That little team is off doing their specialized shit and 
the I think the MK9 community as a whole is I trying to look to integrate with all of the major players more instead of just well, being you can, this, but I'm saying this is why I said like and this is not this is not with any forethought, right? I'm not I don't have my one page or yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, my well documented policy paper and all the second and third order effects, right? But you could do that. But that's just one option, right? Like you flow them in there and they can do that cell yeah. for certain types of ops or for certain phases of the war and then go back into the larger structure. Yeah when appropriate or certain MQ9s are just part of the larger structure than other ones are cloistered off. I think it's important to be cloistered off because the whole problem is, is that 72 hour cycle, right? Yeah. And it's long. Yeah. So it's, it, it's too long for the, for the, for the, the flow M- of the information. Kill chain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, having that cloistered off smaller team, you know, you just, you just send the data back and forth between a few people, small team stuff. Yeah. That's why it would need to be segmented off. Anyway, like I said, good idea, Ferry, but it was a natural and just thought in response to the things we were you were taught bringing up. So uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I it, wanted to go on that rabbit hole. So um, there have been or, many papers written about the structure of an AOC. Yeah, um, I mean, going back in the seventies and eighties and into the nineties, like. Every de- every decade has some paper coming out of SAS about AOCs, right? There's even an MQ9 uh, weapon school paper about it, written yeah. by uh, a dude named Rhino Shortman, uh, who I understand is in the guard now. Um, and he went and spent two weeks there yeah. as a weapons officer, like you know, upgrade, and came back, wrote this paper, and I don't know. <laughs> basically this squeeze callahan paper all over again and uh squeeze if you're listening i desperately tried to track your paper down uh couldn't find it send it to me please all we sir. have is all we have is a uh, <laughs> spear van ort's email uh yeah this says well, we'll we've there. got some we'll get there yeah <laughs> so I guess those are the fundamental problems uh, at an AOC. So, yeah, I always describe the AOC to friends and family because, like, your parents are asking about AOCs. No, but they some like I say, like, hey, this guy's deploying. Oh, is he gonna go fly? Like, that doesn't make sense because can't aren't don't you fly from white men or Holland or wherever? It's like, well, all right, seen movie Battle of Britain. I know we talked about it in the last episode, but. Where they have the mission control. <laughs> yeah, and they're, they got the long sticks. And yeah. they're like moving stuff and they're around. All, <laughs> you know, and they're all talking to like the different people, right? It's That's like a version of the AOC for them, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's what their structure was at the time. And you have really the oldest AOC of all. The first the primordial AOC is... The Battle of Yavin in Star Wars in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, where yeah. you know, so they've got the X wings flying. They got the little the Death map. Star. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but then they've got that map with the blue lines, and the guy's like, "Come in, Red Two. And yeah. he's like, "Oh, you know, whatever. I'm going to switch off my target computer." And then, like, when I'm Luke's really like, curious how their comms worked over. Yeah, and then when Luke, <laughs> and then when Luke says he's switching <laughs> off his targeting computer, right? The the one guy in the Star Wars a version of the AOC 
like turns and looks at the other guy at the staff and is like, oh god, we're all fucking dead. Yeah. <laughs> but right, but it's like pilots flying, but then you've got these staffers who are like controlling the plan and yeah. running the op. Right. Centralized control, yeah. decentralized execution. Yeah. But that's how I always describe it. It's like I point to those two movies and I'm like, well, he's deploying to go be the guy on the little glass screen with the little blue line. With the marker who's writing yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. something up there. Yeah. Um so this is because of these problems and the inability to communicate, you end up with weird stuff. You ever been tasked to like, so at a time there were multiple MQ-9 launch and recovery sites just like inside of Afghanistan, right? There was a time. Yeah. Uh, Kandahar, Shindand, and... Was it J-Bad? I, th- I think J-Bad flew some... Did some, but I thought they were primarily MQ-1 for the longest time, but it doesn't matter. Well, that's um, what, J- MQ-1. Right? Yeah, so all these RPAs are getting tasked to go places, and there were ones launching out of Western Afghanistan going to targets in Eastern Afghanistan, and there are ones in Southeastern Afghanistan launching to go to targets in Western Afghanistan. None of this made sense. But this is all a product of the way that the MQ-9 is tasked there. So you got dumb shit going on like that because the I Intel team, with no input from pilots <laughs> at all anywhere, they're tasking this stuff and what lines that they're going to get. And, okay, you can have this this call sign and this call sign, and you guys can have this call sign and this call sign, and then you build this entire house of cards built around this stuff. So, And then anybody going to the west was getting reamed because the, like I said, they were planning no wind transits. They are just like, oh, they do how many miles in an hour? Okay, one, 120. Okay, that, and that's all that like this these guys knew, right? So like, oh, it's 360 miles away. It should take a three-hour transit. Okay. Meanwhile, you get a 69 headwind, and now you have a four-and-a-half-hour transit. <laughs> And these collection plans all fall apart, and you you show up late, uh, at least according to the ITC. Yeah, you just tell the ITC to pound sand. Well, it is so, what it is. Yeah, yeah, it is what it is. But maybe they needed eleven hours of unblinking coverage on some particular target to justify going to strike it the next day. If you show up late, you lose that coverage. And in that hour that you weren't there or 30 minutes or whatever, who knows what could have happened? You know what I mean? There could be 500 children in that, you know, little hut now. Who knows? MQ-9 never arrives late. That's (laughs) precisely when they mean to. Yeah, well, for the ISR collection plan, that might not be the case, right? I get it, Muff. I know. So the, so you have some issues. You just have to stuff a billion horny mq9 pilots ready to advocate for mq9 stuff yeah into the aoc yes you need more good luck funding it yeah correct um or finding the manpower i mean hell man i've got 500 kids waiting on mqt right now like (laughs) let's take some of the the mid-level captains that need some of the the experience leave the instructors there you know what i mean take some guys that have a little bit of experience farm them out and open up the lines for training all these noobs. 
I don't know. I, I don't know how you do this thing because we are perpetually like seemingly behind the ball uh, in the MQ9 community when it comes to where we should be. And we're always complaining about manpower and we don't have this and we don't have that. We can't get onto UMDs for, for this thing and that thing, but we need like three times the number of LNOs yeah. at these AOCs. And you need them for, I think you talked about it too, but you need to send legit dudes mm-hmm. and you need to send them for longer. Yeah. I mean, that was the big, one of my big takeaways from working with the 603rd AOC as a member of the 20th attack squadron during the kind of stand-up of all the UCOM ops there for GoGo, uh, was that the LNOs are not there long enough, and we were not screening the dudes that are going there. So, like, they're going to Germany to, like, hang out and have fun and stuff. And Looking forward not, to their weekend where they can drive a Mercedes up to yeah, some hotel. Yeah, not necessarily, <laughs> like, plugged into what they need to be pushing for or, like, advocating for. Um like I mean, I hate to say it. it's like sometimes you, you need to send higher higher speed guys. It needs to be selective, right? Yeah, like dudes with a high, little more of a dynamo in their in their chest, and a little more going on upstairs. I mean, not to be rude, but <laughs> but like I, I think that's how you like. And then they need to be briefed on like what to expect when they go there. Yeah, and like. You know, get a a senior leader's yeah perspective on this is where we need to be leaning and pushing and moving, right? For not only just for our own glory, but for the betterment of air operations in general. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. But you know, four month rotations ain't cutting it. Yeah, with you know, who whatever dudes they could grab didn't necessarily want to go. I mean, that comes down to incentivizing the deployment as an LNO. So how, how would you, I think it's, I think incentivize, I think it's largely disincentivized right now. I mean, to be brutally honest, I I mean, I, I used to tell people not to go. Why? Well, it seemed to me that although if they went and they learned a lot, Long term, it would pay off for them, but in the short term, it hurt. It hurt depending on who they were, right? Yeah. And when they went and their progression, because um, it slowed down instructor upgrade. Because we're not, you're not deploying like as a unit, right? Where everybody mm-hmm. sees you, right? It's just kind of like you're off the team. Yeah, you're out on an island. You're off the roster yeah. for, you know, and you might get a decoration, but no one gives a fuck about that. And, right. Um, and you come back, and you kind of just six months behind your peers plus whatever leave you took and it didn't really matter but i just didn't see and like it didn't really make you eligible for awards in the same way because you came back and you're like now out of cycle for awards because you can't use anything from your deployment maybe if you could for like an officer professional but yeah you're not current on all your stuff you're you're competing against the flight docs but it wasn't it's not viewed as it was not viewed as particularly prestigious. Yeah. I mean, it was to a certain extent if you got, if you came back with some solid knowledge, but even then, like, yeah, it's, I don't it's, see it paying off till way later on. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And you're, and you're much better off 
getting selected for instructor upgrade before your peers. Yeah, that's true. Finishing before that, before your peers, rather than delaying that to go on a deployment. This community does not and value deployments. No, we don't care. And it's kind of cool, but it's like, but like I could be blowing shit up here. Right. It's kind of viewed as an oddity or like, you know, it's just like, it's just like a little detour. Yeah. And then now you're back in the game. It's not advancing you. Me- meanwhile, what's actually happening is that you're broadening your perspective on yeah, how what, all of this works and yeah. comes together, and you can be much more effective. Yeah, that's long term. I'm not. I'm. I'm just a messenger. Yeah. On that one. Yep. I'm not saying that there's not a long term payoff, but certainly from like a lieutenant or a junior captain looking at going to be an L, a talented like first lieutenant about to pin on captain or a junior captain maybe looking at di upgrade or fee upgrade or something like that or getting that instructor upgrade done why the hell would you deploy and take yourself make make put yourself out of sight out of mind of your commander yep who only cares about what's happening in his squadron yep and slow all your upgrades down delete at least two quarters worth of awards potential for yourself right like nah yeah when when i went like i went because i had nothing else to do right there was was no other areas for me to get shit and i already had you know i was already an instructor already and you know an evaluator etc this is just like next thing how do i get more responsibility right so in in my case going out as a a new major as a lead lno uh was valuable yeah and lead lno is a little different too right but it's still it's still horseshit because the 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 reality is you just come back with an loe yeah no matter what and who knows what makes it on there and what your your local commander thinks of that stuff because it's the the proximity of the other guys that are like nipping at your heels in your your group or the your group after you that are, are you know pushing more upgrades than you are just organizational right. common sense tells us that it is better to be pushing footballs over the goal line for your commander in front of your commander rather yep. than in what amounts to an abstract place in the imagination of your commander in most cases. And we'd like to think that wouldn't be the case, but that's just human nature and let's just call a spade a spade. Yeah. You know, so... Um, I stopped actively advocating that opinion, right, to people. Once I saw how necessary good LNOs were at the 603rd. Yeah. uh, Integral, truly. So I was like, started encouraging, you know, stopped advising people like, don't go. Yeah. Um, You know, people... Lieutenant, you know, people come up and ask me like, I'm, "This is a deployment, but like, I'm also saying I could start instructor upgrade." Tell them no. Do your instructor upgrade, right? Um, the uh, I stopped doing that, but the fact remains like those are the part of our maybe just our community's structure and culture, which feed each other, right? It's yep. just to, into disincentivizing those deployments from being lucrative and desirable and competitive yeah, and selective. Yep. There's, and it, it's not just like with the LNO thing. Um, even like the echo upgrade. Yeah. It, 
we have a problem here at home and like trying well, that's to, shorter right or used yeah to yeah, be. yeah it's, it's super short it's it's five weeks right now i think um but what's the point it's sos like what's the point yeah like mostly most unit commanders and do's are not qualified in that particular aspect of it right echo correct um in fact I think none. Yeah. Unless you're counting like some, you know, some wick dude who, you know, got like the majority of that course is part of his, his uh, upgrade to, to the W prefix. Right. Um, particularly here at Holloman, is it important to have that? We talk a lot and we send a bunch of people to Echo upgrades, but we're not doing anything with it directly very frequently around here, so I don't think anybody cares. It's you're not gonna get like the some you know, you know, ten percent bump on your OPR <laughs> for it. And it's the same with going to like an L and O job. Well in fact it doesn't it doesn't help. Yeah. In fact, Echo Unless it comes with some other stuff, right? Unless you're an Echo plus some other things. Yeah. Um, like if you're just an Echo, like an instructor plus Echo grad. Yeah. Um, I know some commanders and others like viewed that not necessarily derogatorily, but like, it's like, don't, you shouldn't wear the patch. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> like take that patch off. You're a nerd. You know, and stuff like that. Yeah. So. Yeah, they're they're trying to change the. I know the and perception like, of all that the, stuff, but um, like it's not a real course that you're allowed to wear a thing for. And I know that they're trying to beef it up, and maybe it will become yeah that, right. But yeah, it'll have some te- res- teeth to it. And, and you do get a it. prefix. Yeah, I have an an echo, you know, e coded prefix as like my tertiary. Yeah, uh, AFSC, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it does do you some good, but I don't think we truly value it the way that we should. No. And and like the way I know this is that like we don't have echoes deployed to AOCs that are like responsible for AORs that are actually seeing, <laughs> you know, jamming events. Certainly and not any. All, up, all of this other on, shit. Certainly not on right. any uh, upcoming deployments. Yeah. Yeah, for at least um, uh, yeah, enough said about that. So, what we need, um, at least in the six oh third, probably like these guys that we need to be sending there are like they're, they're going into an AOR that has a competent adversary. I like that word. Um, in Russia, who you know, in many many aspects, is better than us at. Cyber and electro, uh, well, magnetic shit. I think their competence is being questioned on all fronts right now, but sure. Um, but yes, your point is taken. But when there are EM, you know, electromagnetic interference, like EMI events, uh, in that theater that you know potentially affect MQ9s, like I don't know any specifics here, but send echoes. Send people that have received 
this particular training can talk to, you know, what the difference between, you know, expand and what KU jamming looks like and how, like all the various ways that that can get. Yeah. Cause you know what I can't do that. Yeah. At least not yet. You're going to come back. We're going to send you to echo. <laughs> I'll quote taken here. No, thank you. I'll quote taken here. Good luck. <laughs> um, and that's so, so there's that. Yeah, I'd go if someone really wanted to tickle my pickle over it. Yeah, if they really wanted to like push in, had like some plan and yeah. everything else. But that's that's not how we operate, I think. Yeah, if they're like Yogi. <laughs> we, Yogi we just cast we need... out into the into the void. Who wants anybody interested in going to Echo? Yogi, you need to be an Echo. You're the one. The chosen one. Yeah. I'd be like, all right, yeah. Sure. All right, let's go. <laughs> what, what, what are we doing when I get back here in six weeks? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that sounds that sounds like good shit. All right, let's do it. Um, so we need to send more echoes, more just RPA qualified people out into uh, basically the Air Force ether, right? Into all these areas that can you know poke and make things happen and bolster the knowledge of how RPAs function. Dude, I'm getting flashbacks from the LRE episode, which is not yet published, but like about how. Uh, it seems similar, right? Like how LRE is devalued because of the way we operate with like MCE on home station. We don't yeah. deploy as a group. It, like this is not equivalent, but it's congruent. Yeah. In that a similar problem and that the devaluing of all that, because it's not the thing that we care about. Correct. That's staring us in our face. It is the. It's not part of the thing. It's viewed as a side aspect, a detour, the buttressing, or the supporting yeah. aspect that allows warheads yeah. on foreheads. Right, the flank steak. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely true. And that we we have this all over the place. The prime ribs are already in the squadron. The prime ribs are already in the squadron that people care about. Yeah. Yes. So why would you leave? Yeah. So why would you why would you deploy to be an LNO? Why would you do leave to not do the most lucrative part of the job? To get away from the most lucrative part of the job, at least yep. in the way that it kind of comes across. We don't value these additional upgrades correctly, I would say. Yeah, and I think at L- all LNO. Yeah, kind of should be viewed in the same breadth. Sure. As those other as Echo and maybe uh, LR Equal. Yeah, and, and purposeful, right? Yeah. Like it's a purposeful like development opportunity for for people, but you need competent like leadership at the LNO positions, like a lead LNO that's actually gonna sit there and like mentor as to why this is important and what you can gain from this and you know, chit chat and you need senior leadership buy in that says anybody that has LNO experience, give them like plus one on their strats <laughs> you know what i mean on your little excel spreadsheet that says that uh that's gunking out your stratifications plus one nah dude this guy planned a mare exercise or an air no, show <laughs> with no with no planes uh actually airborne so it's fucking useless <laughs> so right and it's the same thing with, with <laughs> echo and other other little things that yeah. all this stuff should we should be valuing these people with further breadth of experience because that is what we need right now. Word. Word. <laughs> so is this related to 
the joint model at all, what we're talking about with AOCs, or is it kind of a separate issue? I think it kind of is. I, th I started getting on the scent of that as we were talking, but... Because I got beef with the joint model, or at least, like, the popular acceptance of it is, like, the end-all, be-all. Yeah, and you got to be like a joint qualified officer and, and all that stuff. Yeah, and because of all the legislation that got... I don't remember what the exact bill is, but whatever the stuff that got passed after Vietnam, right? That yeah. The Navy and the Air Force, like, not coordinating and blowing shit up at the same time or de not deconflicting airspace yeah. and all that crap, right? Um, I don't think, so I don't this think is... the AOC structure is the same thing, although AOCs are projected into the joint model yeah. and all this other stuff, but the AOC is like a, uh, as such per se it's it's is a separate issue it's maybe worth talking about the combined aspect of a lot of these things right so the 609th was the chaos yeah. combined air operations center because there were a lot of personnel from other countries there supporting operations in afghanistan and iraq and you know wherever else and yeah combined is like so hey you, that's super cool but now that you say chaos that reminds me of a word that rhymes with that which maybe we could talk about in relation to the AOC. Yeah, what's that? Payrock. What's payrock? Okay. Hit, hit me with the good stuff. So the payrock is the persistent attack and reconnaissance operation self, formerly known as the WOC. Yeah, because wing operation you end self. Up, you end up as op squadron calling the payrock quite a bit for various things like self? GCS swaps and things like that. But yeah, so they are since we are very geographically separated, but we have a lot of shared infrastructure. Yeah. The Payrock. I think it's actually Center. Wing Operations Center. Payrock. I don't know if to see a center the acronym, or cell. The acronym, is the, the acronym is the name, dude. Correct. We know we know what a payrock is, all right. Um they coordinate all of the anyone who gets too bound up on needing to know what the acronym is is a dullard. Uh sorry, I'm a dullard. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just moved on from yeah, it. Yeah, I did. I did move you're, on. You're displaying maturity, sir. I I, I did uh, languish there a little longer than I should have. Well, no, um, no, no. I'm saying like, if you're like you, you need to know what payrock stands for, or else you don't know what you're talking about. No, you're wrong. Yeah, that's you, correct. You don't actually understand cognition and language. Yeah, like. They, anyway. These mouth noises are about conveying an idea. And yeah. when I say pay rocky, you know what I'm talking about. Shack. Um, so they coordinate all of the shared infrastructure, right? Satellite time, <laughs> networks, uh, fiber optics stuff, which GCS is like talking to which fist fixed site satellite terminal. Um, so is there only one, et cetera. So is there only one pay rock? Yes. Okay. They are aligned under the 12th Air Force. Okay. Right now. And they're commanded by a an 06. Now, Payrock famously a, is where 05s go to die or majors go to die. Like, <laughs> Isn't there a lot of heartburn over the Payrock? Right. They are unique. Right? So... At least with relation to like the 603rd, they don't have a long history of dealing with that. 
and under because they don't have a lot of MQ9s floating around inside of their AO that is not you know so that so they don't have to talk to the payrock very often. It was like a you know set it forget it type of thing. Yeah, and so consequently, the payrock is not integrated very well. Is, at least is my understanding. They're not integrated very well into 603rd operations. So when it comes to like shuffling assets around from this place to that place or whatever else, the the RPA community has struggles at the 603rd because we are spread out everywhere. Right. To do anything with an MQ9 means you gotta talk to people across the globe and i and i, and I do truly like truly mean anything and now you're talking you know how many hour difference between the pay rock and the 603rd yeah probably seven or eight you know what i mean so even like you're not getting your senior leadership over at the payrock on the phone at the same time as the senior leadership is available at the 603rd aoc and it there's there's just a lot of problems that come with this disjointed global model that the MQ9s have. Other platforms deploy as a squadron, yeah, to go run stuff, and then it's all the same people under the same commander and the same DO, and they go and crush things, and they have a very narrow like communication channel. Ours is as broad as it could possibly fucking be. I've got to coordinate. I don't know. 10 different, 10 different people and entities to make anything happen. Yeah. Which is great. And flexibility, if it works great, and the communication flows smoothly and quickly, and you have somebody who is in a position to make a decision available at tw- you know 24-7. But the MQ-9 is largely air power by committee, which, is, which slows decision-making down. For all the speed that we can do on the operational side, I'm doing ISR. Oh, I just blew it up. I'm doing ISR again. I just blew it up again. You know what I mean? Like the, the speed of that is yeah. slowed down by the coordination efforts that have to happen to get these, you know, five, six, seven entities all on board at the same time, which is exceptionally frustrating. You're talking about like a GCS swap? It, even just GCS swaps. Or you have to call like multiple. I remember that's like, you start learning a little bit as an op soup. Yeah. When you start, you first have to deal with that. And yeah. And you don't know what the hell's going on. What about the upgrade to 2409? Yeah. You had to be like, okay, special tales over there in Afghanistan being controlled by some contractor guy that doesn't, doesn't know dick from dick. Like what we're doing over here. He's just like, I got to upgrade this airplane. Okay, cool. Well, oh man, we don't have, we can only fly that one airplane out of this one GCS. You know you know what I mean? This squadron can only handle three airplanes on this version of the software because, or I mean one airplane on this version of the software, we still have three cockpits configured for the old version of the software. Well, that's, that's kind of like the, a good problem to have, right? that we can have different versions, right? Because, like, other assets don't update their shit as aggressively as we do, right? Yeah, but there's a dude in it. Yeah. And so it's not it's not critical. It doesn't, like, limit operations. 
and there's not 45 hoops to jump through. He just takes his airplane and goes overseas with it, and he's like, okay, well, I'm yeah, saying, but I like, have oh, the slightly have, version. <laughs> yeah, or like, I'm not qual on this version or yeah. whatever, yeah. So there's there's a lot of issues that come with that that is not well understood by the rest of you know folks at air operations centers. I'm like, what do you mean this squadron can't fly this airplane? Well, you see, that squadron is, a, you know, they, they only fly block ones. Yeah. They don't know about block five. It's not qualified in the block five aircraft, which you have the block five aircraft. And <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Well, now that they fly block fives, but ooh, their software that they have upgraded is not ready to accept the, the new targeting pod. What? <laughs> that seems to me like just a. Turnover on the the rate at which we upgrade our our software and our plane is exponentially faster, which causes some issues. It causes a lot of issues, and then there's additional issues that are caused by the the massive amount of communication that has to happen, and the number of parties that have to be brought together um, because to it's make not, this because whole it's thing not, happen. Because by its very nature, it's not centrally located. Correct. It in is a platform, completely distributed. A platform and a person yeah and then you get the fist you got the yeah you got the you know and this is what makes sense in aocs like and it needs to be as simple as possible and when you the mq9 is dramatically outside of the model that an aoc was built on so can it be centralized in any way or more centralized or <laughs> You think someone had done it already? If it, it could have been. Could. There are other models. Yeah. Like what? If you're able to talk to that. Nah. When I say other models, I mean deployment models. Ah. Right. Yeah. Which we talked about in the yet to be published. Going as a group. LR episode, right? Um, Where everybody knows what's coming. Leave, this is what we're doing for the next six months. Yeah, and leave the gear there. Yeah. Right? And upgrade all that stuff kind of in one location, one spot. Um, you get everybody trained for what they're going to do during the reconstitution prior and yeah. all that. Yeah. Rather than just like grab bag. Over here, over here. Correct. Over this. Yeah. We talk about our flexibility as like this great great aspect of what it is that the mq9 brings and there are positive aspects to it but there's also a lot of negatives when you're inside of a bureaucratic organization that requires the moving of hardware it's frustrating and i'll bet a small part of that you know leads to our low retention rates and i can't keep anybody past six years to go become you know a competent experienced you know lead lno or pcsm to an aoc you know what I mean? To get oh, in dude, there and just, really muck stuff up. Just put everybody through pilot training and get them to sign on the line that is dotted for 10. And then, <laughs> yep. uh, <laughs> before they realize it's too late. Yeah, because they'll be at 12 years at that point, right? And then it's yeah. just like... It's like, dude, we fucking got you by the ball. Yeah, I'm, I'm already you on the downhill. You don't even have to offer those fucks a bonus at that point. <laughs> just like, I got you, dude. I got you. Are they going to have you? Huh? Are they going to have you? For what? You're going to be, you went to pilot training. Yeah. You're going to be past, you know, you're going to be on the, the back half of an Air Force career when your commitment expires. Are they going to have you? 
I mean, they got me for their, their 12. Yeah? Are they going to have you for 13? 14? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> but it's be, it would be better than. But they get six. you, they get you to that line, and they make you start to com, like question it, right? Yeah. yeah so, um, I don't think they would get it's as kind many of on people. the spot question, Muff. Personal <laughs> dog. Hey, I was at twelve years, and I committed to the bonus. I was like, all right, whatever. Let's just this is this is a good long term investment. I will put up with the with the thrash and the frustration. Here you are, the one individual who's touched all aspects of the community, <laughs> as you've uh, as you've hinted before. I don't know about the that. guy, the guy. Yeah, I don't know about that. So I got to jab you back after that bullshit. <laughs> well, they had me by the balls, <laughs> but I also had a family and everything else at the time. So there was there was some other things in the, in that calculus that just made sense. Um, so it sounds like the really the only thing to do is send more people to Echoes and send more people, more mo better people, mo longer to these AOCs, as at least it sounds right now. I would think so. Yeah. Um, That's like one of the things I I, I proposed yeah. a an out of cycle PCS for me to Ramstein. Yeah. To go to the six oh third. Didn't hear anything back. Got me down here. Got me down here, dog. Just to ditch me. What? <laughs> you got me down here just to ditch me, dog. Yeah. yeah they. They. Uh, if if the six hundred third has a whole bunch of problems, I've been around. Yeah. I've touched most of the things that you got problems with. So, let's uh, let's do this thing. Um, but that's not how the Air Force works. You might be getting a call about ATLC at a minimum, though. Yeah, I was I was briefed that I might get a a phone call, like a cool TDY. Yeah. I, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> that would be loads of fun, though. Um, so we'll see. Um, hey, man, I think that's all I've got. Me too. You? Me too. All right. Uh, cool. Then uh, I think we'll call it a day. Yeah, it actually went better than thought. Yeah. I was. So I would say pessimistic for something of an ad hoc discussion. <laughs> well, it's just the topic. I'm like, okay, and some stuff to talk about. But yeah. But it was interesting. So I, I liked it. Cool, uh, and I think our our audience will appreciate a slightly shorter <laughs> episode. That's that's the leading complaint. Uh, hey man, if as long as you don't take you know two hours to talk about the Red Baron, <laughs> we're good. That was like fifty minutes. All right, uh, uh, yeah, that, that could have been shorter, but I enjoyed it. Um, don't get so defensive. It was good. <laughs> all right, cool. Why don't, Yogi, why don't you take us out? See ya. Don't know where